Blog Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Robbie Motter, the host of Diva Strategies for Success and the NAFI Western and Mid-Atlantic Regional Coordinator, where each Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, I get to bring you dynamic guests and topics. Go to www.wrnafi.com and you can see some upcoming events and a list of all my upcoming shows. And check out the NAFI website at www.nafi.com. You can find out more about me at www.robbymotter.com. Today my guest is Miriam Goodman, the author of Too Much Togetherness. Welcome, Miriam. Happy to have you on the show. I'm happy to be here. Let me tell my listeners a little bit about you. Uh, her latest book is Too Much Togetherness, Surviving Retirement as a Couple. Uh, she has a fabulous background. She is a journalist, author, author, award-winning radio and television producer, and public relations consultant. She in, has interviewed more than 1,000 people from celebrities to diplomats. She is a columnist for TheExaminer.com and contributed to other online publications. Her written, written work has appeared in such magazines as Family Circle, New West, and MS, and in newspapers around the country. There is so much more about her on her website, so go to www.miriangoodman.com and check it out. We're going to be talking about the hidden dangers of retirement, so let's bring in Miriam, and let me ask her some great questions. Miriam, how can couples in retirement keep separate yet together lives? I think that's one of the biggest problems. Um, people, you know, look forward to retirement. They work 40, 50 years, whatever it is, and they say, oh, great, now we can spend time together. But they forget that all those years where they had other things on their daily agenda made them different people. And uh, some of them were very busy, some of them were more relaxed, and you get them together, and they may have been going through their lives at different speeds and with different interests, and all of a sudden they're together 24-7, and they don't quite know how to deal with each other. doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the marriage. It means that they need to communicate more. And um, what's happened is that so many men were so invested in their careers that they really didn't have so much else going on in their lives. Their social life was probably set up by their wives. Um, their friends were maybe friends from work, and now they don't see them anymore. And they become very dependent on their wives, whereas the wives, if they had a husband who was in a high-stress job or was traveling for work or, or whatever he was doing, he was gone from the house all day, she had other things that she was doing. Even if she worked outside the home, she was still a parent. She was still a child. She still probably took care of her parents and her in-laws and um, needs of maybe elderly uh, aunts and uncles. She still found time for her friends. Many women still worked to exercise, going to the gym, into their lives. Um, they did some volunteer work and all these things. So when the women stop working, they still have ten other things that they've been doing all along. When men stop working, and again, I don't want to say this is in all cases, but often when men stop working, that's about all they had. And they don't know how to make that transition into not being a person focused on a career anymore. What are the signs to watch for if your spouse seems depressed? Oh, that's a big one. I just um, I just came back from New York, and I, I had lunch with um, three friends whose husbands are, are, are retired. And the women are not retired, but their husbands are. And each one said, one said that all her husband wanted to do was sleep. 
never wanted to go anywhere, never wanted to do anything, didn't want her to have friends over. I, I kind of made a little joke to her, and I said, well, maybe, maybe you need to make some play dates for her. And she just said, what do you mean? I don't need to, you know, I've been married 45 years. I don't need to make play dates for an adult. And I said, are you happy with the way things are now? <laughs> so she said, no. I said, well, maybe you, there's a, you have a friend whose husband's in the same situation, and maybe they can go out, even if they go out and take a walk together. It's something to get them going and motivated. Another friend said that her husband had really been depressed, and because he just kind of moped around the house. He didn't think of it as what we consider depression with a capital D, not a, a chronic uh, kind of depression that needed therapy or medication. Uh, but they did find someone to talk to. They did go to a counselor, and this counselor said that there's not a lot of uh, study right now about what happens to men when they leave their careers and haven't, haven't developed hobbies or anything like that. And this uh, um, therapist, counselor, whatever she was, insisted that my friend's husband start exercising, join a gym. She insisted that he start finding some hobbies, um, find a lecture group to go to, something like that. And all, and this happened just a few months ago, and she reported to me uh, this week that all of a sudden he's on the board of two things like a World Affairs Council where they live and, and another lecture series that's con- uh, connected with the university that he's lost 25 pounds since he started exercising and never exercised before in his life. And he's got so much more energy and he's so much more interesting and, and, and the marriage and the relationship is so much better. So, um, you know, depression doesn't always have to manifest itself by someone being unhappy. Sometimes they're just lethargic. Sometimes they seem that they've just lost enthusiasm for things. Um, everyone's different, but um, there are ways to make it better. And I would say the first thing is to get the husband out of the house. Get him, whether he's taking a walk or, or he's uh, joining a gym or going someplace and, and uh, playing pickup basketball or whatever it is that he feels like doing, they've got to get out there and move because, um, it's, it seems like exercise is a cure for almost anything these days, and it really makes them feel so much better. Um, another sign um, of depression is that they just don't want to do anything. You know, women say, oh, my husband used to always love to go to concerts and plays, and we'd go out to dinner, and we'd meet friends, and she says, every time I say, oh, let's go do this, he says, no, I don't really want to do it. And um, my suggestion, and I'm not sure it'll always work, but is that she starts inviting people over to their house. Because even if he's feeling a little mopey, when friends come to your house, you know, you're going to be a good host and you're going to, you know, show up and and do what you're supposed to do. And that might be a good way to remind him that he is a social animal and he wants to be with people more. But it's not easy. I mean, these guys have a lot of resistance in them and sometimes it takes several months of, of just feeling their way around until they find something they want to do. One of the things I was very impressed when you're giving uh, people advice or writing in your columns is that you, in coming up with a lot of these things that you know, you interviewed a lot of people. Isn't that true? That's true. I've interviewed a lot of people. I started out interviewing couples where the husband had retired and the wife was still working. And then it kind of, uh, I saw the problem uh, persisted even after the wife had retired and, and they thought they would be together all the time. So I have talked to people of all walks of life, all, all, almost all over the world, not just in the United States. And um, I found that, ironically, in California, the women are much more open about complaining. 
<laughs> they think, you know, my husband doesn't want to do anything. He, um, you know, he needs to go out there and, and uh, you know, whether it's exercise or join a group or find a men's group or, or go to lectures or even if you walk down to the stockbroker or whatever it is, he needs to go out there and do some. And they would complain to me. And when I would talk to women in the Midwest, and most of my interviews were done anonymously. I got names of friends of friends or I made inquiries. And I just talked to these people on the phone. The women in the Midwest who, when I, you know, prodded a little bit, had the same issues, they didn't want to talk about it so much. They said, well, it's okay, he'll get over it. They just weren't as vocal as the people on the West and the East Coast were about how how frustrated the women were with these men that they thought they knew. That's true. How can we replace the community we had at our workplace when we retire? That's really tough. I, I said earlier that sometimes the men's friends um, were their friends from work, and that was their community. You've got to re- you've got to replace the community, but you also have a structure at work, and you need to replace that structure. And the third thing you had to work with is purpose. So if we take purpose, community, and structure, and think of those as the backbone of our working life, all those those all three of those things need to be replicated in your after work life. So. Community, we've um, hit on a little bit that uh, go out and find something to do with, find other people. And, and, you know, when you hit your 60s and 70s, it's not so easy to make new friends. You know, it's not like when you were in the playground as a kid, but you have to make an effort. And if you start going to activities that interest you, for example, let's say you love to hear lectures on world affairs, well, um, the man or the woman who goes to something like that, they can start talking to the person sitting next to them. There's usually a coffee break at some of these lectures. You can make uh, overtures over to the, uh, someone who else is there because you already know you have something in common. You're both interested in this topic. So sometimes you may be rejected. I mean, it, helps, it happens all throughout life. But you might find somebody that you're really interested in, in learning more about and becoming a friend. And you could say, well, you know, I know there's a lecture at the library next week. Would you like to go with me? Or maybe we could have lunch first. You really have to put yourself out there to create a new community. Structure, again, you can't just wake up in the morning and say, well, I'll find something to do today. I, I recommend that people buy one of these big oversized calendars and pencil in what they're going to do that week, whether it's, you know, ex, uh, gym on Monday, t- golf on Wednesday, and uh, um, I don't know, uh, lecture on Thursday and opera on Friday, whatever it is, when you get up and you look at the week ahead and you see you have something to do, it, it puts you in a different mood and it helps you do more, accomplish more, and get things done because you have these things in front of you. An empty calendar is really scary for a lot of people. And the last thing I said that we need to uh, replicate is purpose. And everyone at work had a purpose, whether it was getting a report written or uh, taking care of clients or calling on um, customers if you're in sales, whatever it is, you have to find some purpose in your life. And the easiest thing, I think, is find some volunteer work that you can do. Um, A lot of people think, oh, I have to start at the beginning. You know, I'll just have to be somebody who envelopes or things like that. That isn't true. If you have skills and you're able to share them, many, many volunteer organizations are so welcoming. I I heard about a guy who um, had been a business executive, but he wanted to learn Spanish. And his wife said, well, you know, it's your age. Why do you want to learn Spanish? He says, you know, it's been a dream of mine. I've always wanted to learn Spanish. So he studied Spanish for a while, even went and did an intensive uh, class in Mexico. 
And he came back and he said, okay, now I'm ready to volunteer. And he went to a local homeless shelter. And he found that a good portion of the people in this homeless shelter um, were Spanish-speaking. And a lot of staff were not able to communicate with them. And he stepped in and he was able to work with them. And there there were some staff people who were Spanish-speaking. And he also was able to use his skills not just in language, but he had been in finance. And he saw that he that the way that they were keeping books and the way they were raising money and the way they were spending money was not the most efficient way this shelter should have been doing it. You know, it was run by volunteers, and, and this guy, because of his work experience, was able to contribute so much and really turn the place around so that they could help more people and um, grow and, and really be, become a force in the community. So think about any skills you have. If you were a teacher or a plumber, or an electrician, or a doctor. There's so many places that can use your skills. It doesn't have to be limited to just your field. You know, so many people say they are afraid to retire. What are the fears? Well, you know, people won't say what they are. So, Robbie, sometimes it's, it's a problem. What are the fears? Um, you probably know people in this situation. I think the fears are what comes after retirement. You know, all the stages in our life, we we have a pretty good idea. You know, after school, you work. After work, maybe after you start work, maybe you get married, you raise a family, um, you, you build a business, whatever it is, and then you retire. And there's nobody out there telling you this is what you do next. I think people are afraid of that open calendar. I think they're afraid of um, frailty, illness. Uh, if not of themselves, maybe of their friends and their family, and they're not quite sure how to deal with it. You know, I, I feel like every stage in our life, sometimes we find a mentor or an older sister or brother or a friend who's done it already who can help us through it. But when you get to retirement, you know, some people go into it full force and say, gee, I'm so happy, I don't know how I ever had time to work. And others are saying, I am completely lost, I need direction. Somebody needs to tell me how to get an A in retirement. Yeah. One of the things I hear from some people is they're afraid of too much togetherness. That's, you know, what are they going to do? That's that's true. And um, it's probably women who say this. Men tuned in to what this all means. I know when I, even when I was working on my book and I would tell people the title was Too Much Togetherness, Surviving Retirement as a Couple, the women got it immediately. And and some men said to me, "Really? Is that a problem? Too much togetherness is a problem." They really they really hadn't focused on it, and because it they really, never really is an issue. Yeah. Do long term marriages suffer in retirement? Oh, I have to tell you that the greatest number of divorces today are people who've been married more than twenty years. Wow. You know, people. people you know, that's what the statistics are telling us. You know. Some people grow apart, that's true. Um, They don't remember what it was like before they had their busy, busy lives, and and maybe they just spend weekends together or evenings together, Um, and and now they don't have the distraction of work and of kids and of all the other things. And, um, you know, sometimes they just can't see eye to eye on what retirement means. You know, often, uh, let's say somebody lives in the north in a cold climate, and the guy says, you know, my dream has always been to retire to Florida. And I'm, I think we need to sell the house and move to Florida. And maybe his wife says, wait a minute, this is where my kids are. This is where our grandchildren are. This is where my community is. I'm, I'm not ready to pick up and move to a new place where I don't know anybody just because it's warmer. And they haven't really had these conversations. That's the biggest thing. It's all about communication. 
people right. assume that their partner wants the same thing they want without ever really asking them. Right. They need to communicate. You're right. They he need wants to communicate to all along. <laughs> right. He wants to stay in. She wants to go out. Who is right? Um, they're both right. You know, if he wants to stay in and she wants to go out, they can do that. Um, maybe she'll ask him to come with her, and maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe he'll do it just to please her and, and then be angry about it and resent it. I mean, uh, couples are in the middle of compromise. That's what being a couple means, you know, whether you're married or not, I mean, even if you're just good friends with someone. You have to compromise, and maybe maybe she says, well, I want to go to the ballet. If you go to the ballet with me, I'll go to the basketball game with you or whatever it is. Um, that they want that they want to do, um, and and it's perfectly all right for them to do things separately. You know, why force someone to go to a sporting event or a cultural event if that's not their interest? But find things that you can do together. That's the important thing. Whether it's volunteering at the same place or um, taking a walk together every day, or going to the library, or joining a book group. Whatever it is, there are things that couples couples can do together, but they have to. They have to go out there and do it. It's, you know, when you were working, the work sort of came to you. But now that you're not working, you have to go out there and find those activities. And, um, you know, maybe, as I said, you've got to find new friends, or maybe you can go and do it as a couple. But you really, you have to get out of your comfort zone and go try something new. How can couples deal with the space issue when both, both are at home? Well, you know, that that becomes a problem, especially if the woman has been home, um, you know, throughout the marriage and considers the kitchen her castle and, and the home her castle. And he comes in, and I've heard it so many times, the guys say, oh, you know, you don't load, load the dishwasher right. You know, let me show you how to do it. Or, you know, that isn't the way you should organize the cabinets. We should do it this way. Or this isn't the right route to take to the supermarket. I mean, these guys, some of them are used to bossing people around, and they come home, they don't have anybody to boss around except their wives, and they start doing it. And this even happens in couples that have been considered themselves in a real egalitarian relationship. Something about the fact that he's not working anymore, they kind of regress and start acting like their fathers, I'm afraid to say, but it's true. Um, you know, and um, I, I mentioned this to someone once, and she got Oh, horrified. She said, oh, no, no, not like their father's. His father was terrible to his mother when he retired. And, and you know, you, you, again, it's back to this communication. And women, women have to speak up. That's the other thing. You know, so many women have followed their husbands when they've been transferred in jobs and have done things, and they, they have this quiet resentment that's been building. And that even relates back to your earlier question about divorce and couples staying together. You know, you can't live 50, 60, 70 years with resentment. You know, if a woman is used to keeping quiet just to get along, well, she doesn't have to do that anymore. You know, she has to say what she wants because men are not mind readers, even though they expect women to be mind readers. You know, they have to re- really speak up for themselves and um, and talk about what it is they want and find ways that they can both get what they want. Yeah, that makes sense. Do women and men adjust to retirement differently? Well, in my experience, they do. Women are doing fine. You know, as I said, there are 10 other things in their lives besides besides um, their career. So it, it's pretty easy for them. Though women have said that if they, are, they go to a movie in the middle of the day or they go clothes shopping or something, they feel like they're playing hooky. You know, they have to get used to the fact that now that time is theirs. Men do go through transitions, you know, whether it's... Um, 
thinking that they have to do everything that they've put off in the first month, you know, whether it's cleaning out the gutters and organizing the garage or doing everything else. You know, the reason those things weren't done while he was working is he didn't want to do them. And even though he said, oh, I'll do it when I retire, he still doesn't have to do them, or at least he doesn't have to do them the first month. But men especially need a little transition time. You know, so many people when they retire, the first thing they do is go on a trip together. And that's sometimes a little shocking because you are really together 24-7 when you're traveling. And maybe it's not such a good idea to do that right away. Maybe um, women should let the men be home for a month, six weeks, two months, something like that. Get adjusted to make the transition from a work life to a non-work life. And then they should go traveling if that's what's in their plan because there's a new energy and a new way of looking at things that comes from having that little transition. Hmm. How should uh, retirees deal with expectations of adult children? Ooh, this is a toughie. Um, so many adult children who um, have parents living in the same vicinity think, oh, good, they're retired now. Mom can babysit. She doesn't have anything else to do. And, you know, if, if a woman says to her adult children, you know, I can't babysit. I'm taking classes three days a week. Or I have a tennis uh, game on Thursday. Or, you know, um, we're going to travel for a while. They said, well, what do you mean? I thought you were going to be here to help us. And often the children are really adamant about their parents' choices. You know, well, you shouldn't do that. You're too old for that. What do you need to go to school for? You know, those kinds of things because they're mm-hmm. counting on them. And I've heard so many people, or if they have a, a, a broken anything in their homes and, and dad was kind of a fix-it guy, oh, let's dad fix it. He doesn't have anything better to do. And they don't respect his golf game or his fishing or, you know, his volunteer work or whatever it is he's doing. So, uh, again, these, this couple, they've got to speak up and, and say to their kids, you know, we worked our lives. This is our time for us. We're going to be selfish about it. You know, we'd love to take care of the kids when it's convenient for us. Or if you want to call us a week in advance and say, are you available next Wednesday night? We'd like to go to this lecture. Then you can do it. But don't just, adult children shouldn't expect their parents to be there all the time. That's true. Uh, Retirement is a marker event in most lives. How can we prepare for this? Talk about it. Talk about it a lot. What are your expectations? Where do you want to live? Um, I try not to deal with the money issues. You know, I assume people have worked that out either before retirement or as they get closer to retirement. They they know what they have and what they need to do. Maybe they find that they shouldn't retire. Um, Maybe they'll go get another job. Maybe they'll see if they can reduce their workload to two or three days a week. But if you do retire, I mean, celebrate. You know, have a party. Uh, send out an announcement, whatever it is. Uh, write write an email to all your friends. Say, hey, we're retired. Let's get together. You know, this is a new phase of our life, and we're looking forward to it. And we hope you can join us in this or that. But you know, don't ignore it. I I, I think it really isn't. It's like a graduation. I think it really should be acknowledged. Right. Are aging and fear of death part of retirement? Um, they are, but that's the part we don't talk about. You know, I think they really are, um, especially when one person gets sick and the other one is still pretty healthy. Um, they they question, you know, am I a good nurse? Am I doing enough? Is this right? You know, what can I do to help my partner? Um, and they don't they don't talk about it. I mean, I have a friend who told me that 
Um, his father had um, a, a woman friend. Not They weren't married, but she was 10 years younger than he, and he started to need a walker. And he said to his son, I'm afraid she'll leave me if I use a walker. So he used a cane more than the walker. He thought the cane might be a little more acceptable. And when he really should have, you know, be doing something with two hands. And he was uncomfortable and, and feeling um, a little risky when he would go places, but he was afraid to mention to her, you know, I'm older, I need a walker. So people have to really deal with this thing. It's not the end of the world, but you have to be honest about it, not hide your illness uh, from your partner or from your friends thinking that they're going to abandon you. That's true. Uh, 30 years is a long time to be unemployed. How can we make those years pleasurable? Um, find a new passion. That's the main thing. People who find something they love doing are the happiest people in retirement, whether it's painting, writing, uh, volunteering. I talked to a guy in New York who works, uh, who volunteers at a place called SCORE, where, where he helps people who are just starting business uh, you know, go through all the things people need to do when they start a business, whether it's uh, doing profit and, profit and loss statements, setting up the bookkeeping, uh, buying furniture for the office. This man has done all these things, and he, he offers advice to, to people, and he feels needed. It's great for him, and then he's offering advice to people who can really use it. So um, it, it's really important to find something you want to do. I mean, so many people you know, say in their 30s or their 40s, gee, you know, I really wanted to be a rock musician when I was a teenager. Well, it's not too late. You can rent uh, um, equipment or buy buy instruments if you don't have them. You can take lessons on the computer. You can call your friends who have the same idea and get together in somebody's garage and rehearse and find out that you love playing um, the guitar or whatever it was. But find something that you want to do. And don't think that it has to be meaningful. It has to be important to you and interesting to you. That's the most important thing. I mean, even people who sit and write their memoirs, they, they find that very interesting. Um, they, they find it important. They, they think about their lives. They think about what their legacy is. And then they can go forward and, and make the next 20, 30 years important because they feel they've, they know where they've been and now they know where they want to go. Is retirement another kind of a midlife crisis? Will we get over it easy? Well, it's... You know, I can't say black and white, same for everybody. Um, hopefully people will transition into it. Just don't expect it to happen overnight. I mean, a midlife crisis sometimes lasts years for people. So um, have a plan, fill your calendar, talk to your significant other about what your, uh, what your anxieties are, what your fears are, and what your dreams are. And I think that it'll, it'll be the happiest time of your life. What gave you, what made you come up with the idea of writing this book, Too Much Togetherness, Surviving Retirement as a Couple, and where can people purchase the book? Well, I got the idea from friends who said, my husband's not allowed to retire. He'll drive me crazy and drive himself crazy. And I kept hearing this over and over again. Women afraid that their husbands didn't have any outside interests. That was the first thing. And then I saw what happened with my own parents. I, I didn't think that they did it exactly right. My father retired because he was ill, and so my mother retired because she thought she had to be with him. And, 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 um, and my mother lived much longer than, than my father did, and, and she had given up her, her community and her structure and her purpose. And she didn't have such a great time by herself, whereas if she'd still had that job and still had that community, she might have you know, been a little happier. 
Um, the book is available anywhere in the world. Um, you can get it online from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can go to my website, toomuchtogetherness.com, and uh, click and it will take you straight to Amazon. Or you can ask your local bookstore to order it for you. It's, it's uh, with all the distributors, and you just ask for Too Much Togetherness by Miriam Goodman, and it's only $10, and they can get it for you in three days. Wow, that's great. Um, you also uh, write a column for theexaminer.com. Tell us a little bit about that. I do. Yeah, it's called, uh, I'm called the San Francisco Retirement Expert, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I've written about two or 300 columns over the last few years, and it's about all of the issues that people confront, whether, whether they should move to a warmer climate or a smaller town or a university town, um, you know, looking at issues, uh, how to downsize, uh, whether to get rid of things in your house or stay where you are, um, how to find new interests, how to find new friends, how to use your skills in retiring, um, and how, how to, uh, I can't say how to ignore the doctor, but how to, how to take care of your own health, how to be proactive about taking care of your health. I know a lot of people kind of fall into it where, I, I remember my aunt and uncle telling me this, the things they do most often is go to doctor's appointments. Well, you know, sometimes that nece- that's necessary and sometimes it isn't. You know, people right. need to take responsibility for their own health and there's so much information out there now. People should really do that. I'm not saying ignore the doctor if you have real problems, but take responsibility. Exercise. Go to the gym. Take a walk. See what you can do. Lose weight if you've always been overweight. Um, think about the health, preparing, uh, you know, healthy meals. Now you have more time to devote to that. There's all kinds of things people can do to make themselves have um, a better return. Uh, Miriam, we're almost at the end, and I want to give the, our listeners again the name of your book, Too Much Together, Nurse Surviving, Surviving Retirement as a Couple, or you can buy it anywhere on Amazon, or you can go to www. Too Much Together, Nurse Surviving Retirement as a Couple. And for that examiner, can they just go to www.examiner.com? Examiner.com, right, and put in my name and and they'll see my columns. Absolutely. Miriam Goodman. Well, I want to thank you so much for being my well, guest thank today. You. It was very, inf- and I see what, everything you're saying. I see in my community, and uh, so I'm going to send a lot of people and telling them I know exactly where they need to go. And okay. I thank you for being my guest. And the next time you write another book, let me know. Okay, I will. And thanks so much for having me. Bye bye. Bye bye.